And let's just ask God to open our hearts this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us just an openness to understand what you are saying to us today. Lord, we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And I have felt, Lord, that the enemy is trying to take people out in the midst of this battle. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be aware of what is happening in the spiritual world around us and that we would not be ignorant of the devices of the devil. Your word says that we are not ignorant of his devices, but sometimes people are ignorant. They don't understand. So today, Lord, as we talk about these things, expose the works of the enemy, but also, Lord, call us to your purpose, your plan, and your design, that we can resist the enemy and walk in the fullness of your power and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Two weeks ago, I felt like the Lord spoke to me very clearly that we were in a season where there was going to be a strong deception and that the enemy was going to seek to try to take people out of their Christian faith and take them out of the church. It's interesting, referring to the book that I just read, Sam says that before the communities fall apart, he said essentially heroin isolates people and they become isolated from community and that's how Uh, communities fall apart. Well, the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. The enemy tries to isolate people. He takes people out. He takes them away. He makes them feel that they don't need community, and then he can pick them off. And I have felt very strongly that the enemy has been trying to do that, and I've been praying and battling in the spirit for people. But uh, I want to share with you some of the strategy and some of the things that the Lord is putting on my heart Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 7, it says, For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The lawless one, by the way, is the Antichrist, who is a figure who is... uh, predicted in the Bible uh, all the way back to the time of Daniel uh, that we start getting these prophecies. But even before the Antichrist himself comes, the Bible talks about a spirit of lawlessness that will move on the nations of the earth and and try to take people out. Verse 9, it says, The coming of the lawless, lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. Let me stop there and tell you that there are lying signs and wonders. There is a spiritual power that is not of God. And the enemy will seek to take people out by giving lying signs and wonders, things that support his lie. And that lie essentially is that he is the Messiah rather than Jesus. Verse 10, it says, In all the ways that wickedness Uh, deceives those who are perishing. They perish, listen to this, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Do you love the truth today? Because if you don't love the truth, you're in trouble. I'm going to tell you straight out, I'm your pastor and I love you. My job as a shepherd is to tell you the truth and to do all I can to protect you. But I can't live your life for you. You need to obey the Lord. You need to respond to him. Verse 11, this, is, this, is, this astounds me. 
But listen to this. Let me back up to 10 so we get the flow of what what he's saying. In all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. If you, if people reject the truth of God and they persist in rejecting God's truth, God will give them what they want. He will send them delusion to believe the lie and they will be deceived. That's the one prayer you don't want God to answer. God never forces himself on anybody. He gives us the opportunity to believe. And if we choose not to believe, it puts us in a dangerous place. Because before I read this last verse, let me just say this. God's word always has an effect on a person's heart. It either hardens their heart because they push against what they're hearing from the Lord, or it makes their heart more tender and open to what God wants to do. But the word of God always has an effect on the people that hear it. Do we understand that? Verse 11, let's go back to that. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. This verse is talking about people who choose a lifestyle and conform what they believe to their desires rather than people hear the truth and conform their life to the truth and reject the desire, sinful desires that war against our soul. There are two kinds of people in the world according to this. Are we going to conform our idea of what truth is to our desires? Haven't a lot of people done that? Or are we going to allow the truth of God to shape us? Every once in a while, I will be sharing my faith with somebody. I'll be talking to somebody and they'll say, well, there's so much bad stuff in the church. There's no way you're going to get me to listen to what you're saying. We put high expectations on the church, don't we? The minute people walk in this door, you're supposed to be perfect. Why are you laughing? I, I, you know, I've been sharing the last couple of weeks about that. You know, People say the church should be open to the broken and anybody, that we should just welcome everybody coming in. It's like the Statue of Liberty. Send me your broken, huddled masses yearning to be free. And I say amen to that. Bring in everybody who needs, we need to be a place of grace that welcomes people in. It doesn't matter what their lifestyle is, what they look like. We need to welcome them in and love them in the love and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, some of the people on Jesus' ministry team were people that were living very rugged lives, and Jesus was condemned by the religious people of his day. They said, you're hanging around with prostitutes and tax collectors. It's interesting, the Bible puts those two together. I didn't do that. It's in the scriptures, okay? But the religious people are saying, stay away from those people that are, you know, full of sin. We need to open the doors. But at the same time, because we welcome everybody that's broken, the church is still full of people that are in process. Which means that sometimes we're going to see brokenness in the church. Some of you may not know, but many years ago I got a counterfeit. $100 bill. Actually, somebody put it in the offering here at our church. Does anybody remember that? 
poor Jennifer. Jennifer and Steve are taking a little break this weekend. They're in Indiana, so I can tell a story about her. She was our uh, she was my administrative assistant at the time. She went to the bank, and the bank called her, and they said, um, Mrs. Stewart, we need to talk to you. There was a counterfeit bill, and we need you to come back to the bank. She said, I'm going to jail. <laughs> they said, no, 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 you're not going to go to jail. We just want to know where you got it. She said, I'm not sure. It came in the church offering. They said, a church offering? Well, it turned out somebody had been working at a fair, and somebody had put that in. They had gotten paid in cash. They put that in the offering, and they didn't know that it was counterfeit. But we found out, and they said, we just want all your information because the Treasury Department's going to be involved in this. We're trying to track down where all these bills are coming from. But I want you to know, from that moment on, I gave up money. Because once you've experienced a fake, I'm never going to be involved with money again. <laughs> and I used to be part of a family once, but I gave up on family. Because you just get hurt when you go to families. People talk about you. Can we just be real honest here and say that we're humans and we have a human problem? We hope that at church things are better than the world, but often the problems of the world are here and people in process haven't yet dealt with that. That's right. The reason I say that is in the last week, and it's gotten worse since the week before, I got up this morning and I looked at the national news and there was a story about an Akron ministry, an Akron pastor who's been charged of all kinds of weird sexual abuse. I won't even tell you about it. If you haven't seen it, I won't even read the article. But people look at that and they go, see, I told you about those religious people. Yeah. And we ask the question, and I said it wrong last week, it's not a thousand priests, but 300 priests have been accused of sexual misconduct. We can put that next slide up. We heard about this scandal at Willow Creek in Chicago. And we say, how could this happen in the church? But as a matter of fact, Jesus told us that it would happen in the church. Every one of the apostles that was used to record Scripture warns us about people that would infiltrate the church that would be false. The reason I'm telling you about this is because it's our responsibility to decide what is false and what is of God. If you see me doing things that are not biblical, you need to, first of all, challenge me on it. And secondly, if I don't listen, you need to get out of here and go somewhere else. Can I say that? Jesus warned us that grievous wolves and deception would infiltrate the church. Listen to Acts 20, 28. Here the Apostle Paul says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. What's your job? Be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So sometimes we see this scandal. The next, You put the next slide up there. A scandal at Willow Creek, and I won't take time to talk about that. I'm sure you've probably seen that in the paper. There are two responses to fallen leaders. Number one, some of them are like King David. They're people that had a lapse of judgment and fell into sin, and they can be restored. 
They need to be held accountable. Their sin needs to be exposed properly. And they need to be brought to restoration if they can. But there are other people, there are false teachers and leaders who are not repentant. They need to be exposed and removed and not restored. And we as the church need to know the difference. We haven't always done a very good job with that. Why am I telling you this? Because you need to be aware of that. I'm told by a lot of my millennial friends, including children and uh, people that age, they're very sensitive to what happens in the church. And I say, I understand that false things have happened in the church. Some of the worst examples are on television or radio. Let me stop here and say this. I'm going to get off on some tangents this morning. One of the hardest things for me to do as a pastor is to repair the damage from stuff that was said by somebody on television or radio that has no basis in truth. Am I against it? No, I was just on TV on Monday night or Tuesday night. Okay? When it's, when it's stewarded properly, that's the way it should be. The pastor I grew up with, by the way, was on television every day. But he said, I am not going to go on TV and raise money. Either this church raises the money to put me on television, or I go on free, but I'm not going to raise money because I don't feel good about that. And he never had to raise money. We always raised enough money to put him on television, and he had a great ministry that touched a lot of people. There's a time and a place for that. The medium is not the problem. The problem are people that are unaccountable, that are living ungodly lives, and you don't know how they live, and you don't know what what basis for what they teach, and they're totally out of control. Listen, if you can find it online, Vijash, some of you remember Vijash from uh, Mauritius, sent me Benny Hinn's confession about how God changed his life and the vision that he had. And I don't want to get this wrong, but the gist was is that he had a dream. He, he appeared at the gates of heaven and the Lord said, you can't come in. And God exposed all this stuff and he said, I need to repent. And he does in this video. He says, we were wrong, we were off. Have some of you heard that? Amazing. Vijesh said, you've got to see this. You've got to listen to this. This is astounding. And, and Vijesh works with Benny Hinn's son-in-law, and that's how that connection came about. So I say this, you need to be the ones that are on guard that you're not deceived. Listen to this, the words of the book of Jude, one of the last warnings in Scripture, starting in verse 3. He says, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God entrusted once for all time to his holy people. And that's the message I have for today. We all need to be defenders of the faith. You need to defend the faith. If you're not in the word, how do you know that what I'm teaching is true? If you don't love the word, how can you measure what you're hearing? We need to learn to love the word. He goes on, he says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. There's a church in this area, I won't mention names, but a person that used to preach the gospel is now preaching that every kind of sexual sin is okay, and they are welcoming people in, and they they are teaching what we are calling hyper-grace. That it's okay to believe everything. And this leader is leading people astray and is bringing great judgment on her life. 
Jude says the condemnation of such people that teach us that grace allows us to live immoral lives. Does grace allow us to live immoral lives or does grace allow us to live the life of the Lord, the character of God reproduced in us? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, holiness, a heart of holiness to the Lord. God doesn't save us from sin so that we can live immoral lives. But the hypergrace message is taking churches out one after another. And do you know why it's happening? Because people don't love the word, they don't really read the word, and they don't understand what the word is saying. We need to study to make ourselves approved as workmen who do not need to be ashamed. Isn't that what the word says? All of us need to be workmen who know how to rightly handle the word of truth. It's not just my job, it's all of our jobs. And frankly, one of the reasons the church gets in trouble is because people are downright lazy. Sorry, but I have to say that. It's true. Jude goes on, he says, So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who do not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And do not forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of eternal fire of God's judgment. Something I've noticed with people, and it's not just the millennial generation, but it's all the generations alive in the church right now. There are so many people, so many leaders that have lived their life a certain way that all of a sudden get this new revelation and find out that God really didn't have that standard all along. And they are willing to say that 2,000 years of church history and theologians are wrong and that all of a sudden there isn't a hell anymore. Well, I've got to tell you right now, I wish there wasn't a hell. I wish there wasn't an eternal fire. But I can't just pretend that it's not there and start preaching it. There are some people that are doing all they can to get the approval of men, but they don't have the approval of God. And they are not standing true in his word. I'm telling you this because the Holy Spirit has been putting on my heart that we are coming into a season where deception is going to be so heavy against the church and we need to stand firm. I am warning you now to stand firm in what God has. I'll share probably more in depth a uh, vision that Donna had, Donna Schmidt of light and darkness. There was this violent, and maybe I'll have you share it in the, in the weeks to come, but there was darkness was literally being ripped out of the light. There was a separation that was coming. And we have felt this, and I'll be sharing more about this over the next couple weeks, about the break point that's coming in the church that's separating those who belong to the Lord and those who are religious that say they belong to the Lord and do not. But there's coming a shift between light and darkness. There is a separation. For the people that walk in the light, it's going to be a glorious season where God reveals himself in an amazing way. But those who are stuck in darkness will become more and more ensnared by deception. Jude says in verse 11, he says, What sorrow awaits them? These are the people that depart from the way of the Lord. He said, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother. And like Balaam, they deceive people for money. 
And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. These are people that had prophetic gifts that used them the wrong way that he's talking about there. He said these are people that use their gift for money. They're just in it to make cash. They're in it to use people for merchandise. Jude has strong words for these people. Listen to verse 12. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and they've been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds, and they are like wandering stars, doomed forever to the blackest darkness. Do you sense the passion of God? This isn't just Jude here. This is the Word of God. This is the Lord revealing this. Why? Because the Lord knows if we depart from His truth, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And he's, he's warning us not to get caught up in this. In verse 14, he says, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves. They flatter others to get what they want. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. Is this hitting you? These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit. Jude announces that he's writing about their common salvation. He's concerned that they contend for the faith that was once once for all delivered to the believers. There are five things I want to share with you this morning about New Testament warnings on deception. It's not going to take long, but listen carefully to what I have to say. Number one, the church will be infiltrated by false teachers, prophets, and leaders. They will be used by the enemy to discredit the church and the message of Jesus. By the way, when you hear about the church and you hear about things in the newspaper or on the media, do you hear about the good things that churches are doing all over the place? We hear about this one church in Akron that um, apparently the leader was off. And by the way, that guy deserves his day in court. We don't know if those accusations are true. Because I know the press is biased against the church. I think we need to give everybody a chance. Isn't that correct? So I remember about 10 years ago, there were about 450 pastors African-American pastors, white pastors. For the first time, there were all these people from different ethnic backgrounds that came together to hear John Perkins share a message. And it was the beginning of a lot of ethnic and racial healing in our community. Two of the largest churches in town, the pastors were there and they were endorsing this. And they called the Akron Beacon Journal to come and cover this. Guess what? The paper didn't cover that. 500 pastors all getting together, black and white, hugging, repenting of sin, repenting of racism, and loving one another wasn't good enough news. But if one church does something wrong, what happens? National news. So we need to understand, I want to bring some balance here, we need to be careful and not believe everything the press says. It's, it's right that they're publishing things that are wrong in the church. 
But how about the churches that are doing good things? You know, a lot of the people that are rescuing people from heroin and addiction and whatever are the church. And yet you never, you rarely hear about that. So you have to do something bad to get in the newspaper is my point. So these people, though, that do these things will be used to discredit the church and the message of Jesus. We need to be vigilant. We need to remove them and we need to distance ourselves from them. The second thing is these false leaders will have the following marks. And I can give you these notes later. They will often be sexually immoral and teach others to commit sexual immorality. Why is it always sexuality? When people break away from God, sex is a powerful gift that God has given. And the minute that a society begins to move away from the truth of God, I guarantee you there will be confusion about sexuality, there will be confusion about gender, and there will be a lot of sexual immorality outside of God's design for sexuality that will leave a lot of people hurt and victimized. And yet we're not even hearing that. By the way, it's not just the church. Did you know the Center for Disease Control has been putting out these amazing warnings about what's happening with sexually transmitted infections and the rate of of, uh, STIs in our culture? And the newspapers and the big websites, the mainstream news, won't publish them. Because it's politically incorrect. They don't want to challenge anybody's lifestyle. It's so bad that on campuses in Ohio, as most other states, if you have unprotected sex with somebody you don't know, you have a one in two chance. That's pretty good chances if you're in Vegas. Not very good if you're in a relationship with somebody you don't know. I know these are hard words, but we need to hear this. Why aren't they telling us the truth? Because right now we have an agenda in our press that has very little to do with truth. And if you haven't figured that out yet, watch out. And a lot of it's entertainment. These people also deny the divinity of Christ and or the sovereignty of God. Almost always there's something in that area. It says they will be driven by greed. And I went through all the scriptures about false teachers and I came up with this list. They will be driven by greed and seek to take advantage of the people of God. I love the way the King James says it. It says they will make merchandise of you. So guess who the merchandise is? It's not what they're selling. It's you. Amazing. It says they will rely on their dreams, what their mind or their spirit make up, rather than on God's word and revelation. They will proclaim things in the name of Jesus that they dreamed in their own mind. I believe in speaking things in faith, but man, if the Lord has not revealed that to me, I'm being presumptuous. I'm very careful about that. It says they defile the flesh. They do things with their bodies contrary to God's command. They despise authority, specifically the authority of Christ, but also there's no accountability to others in the church. And when I run into somebody that's gotten in trouble, that's fallen away from the Lord, a leader that's gotten off the path, it almost always started by them distancing themselves from every authority in their life. They withdraw from other authority. They don't walk in accountability with other leaders. If you don't know it, you need to know it. I've got some leaders in my life that if I start doing boneheaded things, they will kick my butt. Sorry for using that word in church, but they will. People like Scott Souders and Steve Fry and people like that, they'll call me up and say, Joe, what are you doing? Every leader needs people like that in your life. 
By the way, we have a wonderful board of elders here, and they're not yes men. They are people that say yes to God, I believe. They're people who follow the Lord, but we don't just, they don't just endorse everything that I do. They are strong leaders, and we listen to the Lord together. Do you know that? You need to know that. We have some awesome leaders. The Bible says they walk in the way of Cain. Basically, Cain says, I'll worship God on my own terms. I'm going to bring him the gift that I want to bring. I'm not going to do it on God's terms. They abandon themselves to Balaam's heir. In other words, they sell their gifts for money. There was one ministry I heard about that was actually charging people to get personal prophecies. Sounds kind of like that place that I drive by sometimes that has a fortune-telling sign out front. Korah's rebellion. They rebel against true spiritual leadership that seeks to correct them. They will not allow anybody to correct them. Jude says they're hidden reefs at your love feast. How many of you have been uh, swimming in a tropical place and you didn't see the reef and you ran into it? I think, Diana, you just, that just happened. I'll tell you, talk about scrapes all the way up and down your legs and whatever. Hidden reefs. They are self-serving shepherds, waterless clouds. They are scoffers. There is a critical spirit and a mocking spirit that is opposing the Christian faith in the season that we're in. You'll hear it in a lot of different places. These are people who follow their own passions. They're sensual and not spiritual. And I have to tell you, for a lot of the church, this is a very dangerous place because a lot of people think they're hearing the Holy Spirit, but they're really listening to their own emotions. It's really dangerous when a leader does that. When somebody who's a leader is following their emotions and telling you that it's the Holy Spirit. There's a big difference between being sensual and spiritual. They cause divisions among God's people and revel in their own self-righteousness. They're devoid of the Holy Spirit, a form of religion, but they're devoid of God's Holy Spirit. I saw in the 90s a lot of revivals where God was pouring out his spirit and there was mixture in those meetings. I remember being in one meeting in another city and the guy said, well, we don't stop anything here because it might be the Holy Spirit. And I said, if you have to tell me that it might be the Holy Spirit and you don't know it's the Holy Spirit, then I'm not comfortable under your leadership. I will see you another time. Think about that. If I can't tell you if it's the Holy Spirit as a leader, what am I doing with that spirit? John says, test the spirits to see if they are of God. There are other religious spirits out there, and Satan is infinitely religious. How many of you know that? One of the hardest things for people to get free from is a religious spirit. If you've been raised in that, it's one of the hardest things to break and to come out of because there's confusion that goes with it. People have a hard time knowing when God is speaking to them or not because they've heard a religious voice all their life. It's one of the hardest deliverances. It can happen by God's grace, but it's a tough thing. The third thing is deception and false leaders will increase as the day of Jesus' return approaches. Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 23, Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. Not too long ago, we saw on God TV, although I I never watched that really. I don't do a lot of the stuff on the internet, but... 
There was a guy that sprang up in Florida and he was doing signs and wonders and people flocked to them and there were whole buses of people from this area that went down to see this guy. We had a warning from pastors in Canada that said this guy was with us. He left us. We're warning people not to be involved. His marriage is not stable. He has not stewarded his relationship well. And we warned people here. I had one guy that said, well, uh, you're the last person I thought that would grieve the Holy Spirit. I said, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's operating. I remember one leader, after they got back, it was shortly after they got back, it came out that this guy was having an affair with his secretary, that he had been uh, unfaithful to his wife, and there was this whole false thing going on. This guy that was doing signs and wonders. People being healed in miracles. And this guy said, I've opened the door to this spirit in my church, and now I can't get it out. What do I do with this? Scott Souders, pastor of Holy Spirit, was speaking to him, and he said, well, you should have listened to Joe in the first place. I felt vindicated, but it didn't help. No, it's true, and it's hard. I've got to tell you, I had four or five pastors that stopped fellowshipping with me because I said that they needed to be careful. But I don't care. I'd rather stand for truth. And in all of our lives, this is not in the notes, this is a, but we need to hear this. In all of our lives, you will have a moment in time where you need to choose between relationships in your life and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the hardest things. But I've got to tell you, I love God's word. I love God. I love truth. I love people too. I can hang out with any sinner that is in full rebellion against God, but I can't hang out with people that call themselves Christians that are living a compromised life. that are not honoring the Lord. The Bible tells me that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I didn't tell you to stop fellowshipping with the world. He said, what I told you is to stop hanging out with Christians that are sexually immoral, that are swindlers at business and that do all this stuff. Why? Because they hurt the cause of Christ. The fourth thing, we are to be vigilant. One of the key responsibility of true leaders in the church is to protect from false leaders. Folks, this is the word the Lord has for us. We need to love God's word as never before. You need to be in the word on a daily basis. Don't get legalistic about it, but learn to love the Word of God. We need to honor the Word of God. And the last thing is this. The Antichrist spirit will be active in undermining God's truth in two ways. Number one, it will oppose God's truth and God's people. So there are two functions of the Antichrist spirit. One is that out and out, it tries to bring persecution and opposition to the church. The second way that the Antichrist spirit works is it raises up a counterfeit church that looks like the true church. I had an uncle. I love this guy. He was a hobo in the 1930s. He was an older guy. And uh, he ran away from home when he was a teenager and rode the rails. And uh, for those of you that know, during the Great Depression, there were a lot of guys that hoboed running the rails and whatever. But he learned to go out into the woods and pick herbs and mushrooms and all these things. And he would come in the springtime with this whole salad of stuff that he picked in the woods. Okay, I trusted him. But I've got to tell you, if I had to decide what was a poisonous mushroom and what was a real mushroom, I would have had a really rough time. Every once you hear about people dying, he never had a problem with that. He really knew what he was doing. But can I tell you, there are a lot of Christians that have a hard time discerning between the true church and the false church. Because they're looking for the wrong things. So we're not talking mushrooms here. We're talking about the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
they're a counterfeit. There's a counterfeit church out there. There is false teaching and there are also false signs and wonders. 1 Peter 2, as well as Jude and other scripture, promise God's judgment on these false leaders. The Antichrist spirit will seek to infiltrate government, media, entertainment, organizations, even the church. I want you to, for a moment, just let me just give you an example, and I could probably take a lot of time, but we're going to close here in about five minutes. How many acts do you know in music and entertainment have a false Christian theme? Besides Madonna, okay? Just think in your mind right now. I want you to think about this. How many of them mock Christianity and what they do? Why is that? You get a star. Greg gets a Sunday school star. You knew the answer to that. But it's true, isn't it? It's the Antichrist spirit mocking God. Now, some of these people may have had a bad experience with the church. But like I said earlier, I I haven't stopped spending money just because I got a bad $100 bill once. You know, counterfeits only work when there's something real behind it. And I didn't give up on family just because I got hurt in a family once. Because we work through that, don't we? 2 Peter 2.1, let me just mention this. There will be also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and bring the truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has, not, has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Verse 21, down below, it says, It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. So, what's the final word for you? It's out of the end of Jude. Let's go back to verse 20. This is what Jude says. After warning us about everything, about the false teachers, about deception, he says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Are we supposed to judge people that doubt? No, we're supposed to have mercy. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear. What does he mean there? He means be careful when you're correcting someone in error that you don't fall into error yourself. He says, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. There there are Jude's mandate for believers. Stay strong, praying in the Holy Spirit. Stay in God's love. Have mercy on those who are deceived. Don't forsake community. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What does that mean as you see the day approaching? As the day of Christ 
and the return of Christ and all these things that he's prophesied comes to a close, we need to be more committed to be with one another. We need one another to stand strong in the Lord. What I'm seeing, and I'm talking to other pastors, are there's a, an independent spirit, and a lot of people are drawing away from the church. When hard time comes, instead of drawing into community, they're pulling away. And I'm seeing them get picked off. Now, I know the last two weeks, there, a lot of people are on vacation, and that's why we haven't had a big crowd here. So please don't feel judged. We all need to go on vacation. Can we say that? Amen. And we're gonna, I'm going to talk about Sabbath this fall. We all need a Sabbath. We all need a break. But when you're taking a break from the Lord and you draw away from Him and you say it's not really important to be together, that's a problem. It's a real problem. We also need to have a heart of humility and teachability. How teachable are you? One of the best defenses against deception is to have a heart of humility instead of a heart of pride. Why is that? It says that pride comes before a fall. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you have a heart of humility and a heart of teachability, I believe God comes, is drawn to that. He's drawn to our hearts like this. And then the sixth thing is, we need to be careful not to be seduced by the cares of this life. Listen to this. Jesus taught us this in Mark 4, 19. It's not always the bad or evil things that take us out. Sometimes it's the good things in life that take us out. Sometimes it's the things that we invest in that are way outside of the boundaries that God has given us. Mark 4, 19. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. What I see happening with a lot of people is there's so much going on in their life And when they get overwhelmed by life, the first thing they jettison is their fellowship with other believers and their time alone with God. And they say, I just don't need to do that right now. I don't have time. And that's one thing I can just throw over. Folks, if you don't seek God first and seek first his kingdom and seek his righteousness, everything else. And there there are people that are working so hard. They're working seven days a week. We're going to talk about Sabbath coming up. It's very interesting that we say we believe... How many many of us believe the Ten Commandments? Is honoring the Sabbath one of the Ten Commandments? And yet I've had people say, no, that's just Old Testament. Or is it? Stay tuned for more details in about three weeks. It's not just the Old Testament. It's affirmed in the New Testament, too. And it's not a legalistic thing. It's designed for you. If you're not taking a break, if you're not taking a Sabbath... So I have people that are working seven days a week, and I'm telling you right now, if you don't honor the Sabbath, God will not bless you. You will work harder and harder and have less and less. Can I, can I tell you that? I know I said some tough things today. Do you know that I love you? Have you heard the warning of the Lord? I'm not going to talk more about this, at least for a, uh, until the Lord tells me again. But I felt like I needed to give this warning, and we needed to be aware. We need to be on our guard. Can we stand together? So how do we respond to this today? I think the question this morning is, do you need to rededicate yourself to loving the truth of God? Have you let the word and the study of his word go? 
Have you allowed things to enter into your life that are just taking you out all the time? For some of us, it's not the bad things. We're not, we're doing bad things, but it's things that just fill up our lives so full that we didn't have no more room for God. And I feel like God is calling us to a reconsecration. He's saying, how serious are you about putting me first in your life? So let me ask you a question. How many would say, I need to redo that? I need to recommit my life. By the way, I've already done it. I always preach to myself before you ever get a message. I've done a lot of repenting all week. Okay? Can we just reach out to God today? Let's just reach out to Him. And as I pray this, just respond in your own words. If you want to pray it out loud, whisper to the Lord, whatever. But Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for not loving your word like we should. Lord, we, we, we want to rededicate ourselves to you. We want to commit ourselves to your word. We want to commit ourselves to your way. We see your prophecies coming to pass. And we ask you to make us steadfast. Help us to stand firm in the days to come. Lord, just draw us close to you right now. In Jesus' name. Let me just pray for us, and I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would reveal things to us. Lord, if there are things, if there are areas of obedience, obedience points this morning in our lives, Lord, whether it's just neglecting you, whether it's putting other things first and then wondering why our life is not going the way it should, I just pray that you would recalibrate our hearts today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, the songs that we sang today during worship about your love for us and about your faithfulness to us. Lord, your love is so amazing. Your faithfulness, your word never fails, Lord. And even though heaven and earth pass away, your word and the promises that you make to us will never pass away. You're the kind of God that we can lay our lives down for. Lord, the world is a tough place to live in. There are so many voices, so many things that are coming against the church, coming against our faith coming against people. There are things that would draw us away, desires that would draw us away from the truth. But I pray, God, that you would help us to stand firm in you today. Just draw us near to you, God, we ask in the name of Jesus. Restore our hearts and renew our hearts in you. Recalibrate our hearts to your truth and to your will. And Lord, we pray in this season, protect us from the deception that is so prevalent in the world. Protect the church, God, from deception. Protect the church from deceivers, false teachers, false prophets and pastors. Help us to stand true, God, in you. And I pray that your true church would shine resplendent, Lord. I I believe that vision that Donna had about light and darkness being torn apart. There's a time of separation coming. Help us to be children of the light, God. To stand firm in your truth. And to shine with your light, God, to be a testimony to the people around us, we pray. Thank you, God. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.